Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening. This is Christine Handy, author of the book Walk Beside Me. I am here on air with Jennifer Koken, and I'm so excited about her being on this evening. Jennifer is a author as well and just a rock star woman in general, and I am such a I'm such a woman's woman. Uh, Jen spent six years on the stand-up comedy circuit in Denver, and she uses her humor to embrace the ridiculousness of life. (laughs) How true is that statement? Um, Jen also is the author of the book called When I Die, Take My Panties. After losing her mother to ovarian cancer in 2011, Jen wrote a book about her journey and thus the title of her book. It talks about turning your darkest moments into your greatest gifts. In the book, Jen helps readers discover the gifts in their own lives and find the courage and motivation to have heartfelt conversations with the people they love right here, right now. So hopefully Jen will be joining us. And I, uh, we are talking about what things not to say to cancer patients because that's such a hot topic and such an important topic. Um, we really uh, we need to be sensitive to people, and we need to be sensitive to you know what what comes out of our mouths when we're talking to somebody that's going through such a horrific event in their life. And so I wrote a a, a BuzzFeed on it, and uh, it was it was a, it was a interesting. I got an interesting response, a very positive response, which was great. And uh, I talk about what not to say and so it's it's a uh, lace with some comedy but it's really funny and so um i'm just very excited to talk about it tonight um so while we wait for jen i will quickly go through 10 things you don't say to somebody with cancer the first one is my blank passed away from cancer the second one is post chemo are you in remission The third one is, we promise you, you won't catch our cancer. The fourth one is, can and will it come back? The fifth one is, so what are your chances? The sixth one is, everything will be okay. And the seventh one is, will you lose your hair? The eighth one is, you don't look sick. The ninth one is, does it run in your family? And the tenth one is, what stage are or were you? So pretty compelling and uh, interesting yeah, interesting to talk about. Jen, are you on? I'm on. Hi, I was on the whole time, but somehow it wasn't con- – we weren't connected, Christine, in oh, reality. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I, did, you, did you hear my praise for you? I did. Thank you so much. That was so nice okay. of you. No, I love I'm that so you happy you're a ha- woman's I'm, woman. I am such a woman's woman. I mean, really, that's I'm my – Walk, walk Beside Me is really about uh, women embracing women and helping women and empowering women and, and Jen as well. Is, we, we both believe in the same subject. So, Okay, so I just quickly rang, uh, ran through some of the things you don't say to someone with cancer, but I'm so excited that you're on to give us a little humor in regards to this. Um, the first one I have is my blank, fill in the blank, passed away from cancer. Um, personally... 
I find this to be incredibly difficult <laughs> as a cancer survivor hearing that statement when somebody will say to me, oh, you had breast cancer. Oh, gosh, my best friend just died of it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. I mean, you know, I wasn't the patient. My mom was. But I'd always have people saying things to me. And this was my, I don't know, because you call it your favorite. I, this was my favorite. Inevitably, oh, being, was. you know, I Right, you know, no, it was like, okay, well, I'm so sorry, but you know, at some point you'll realize this is the most beautiful time of your life mm. as you're watching your mother. Like, really? Really? Right. I get it, but I kind of kind of want to punch you in the throat right now, but I totally <laughs> get it. <laughs> yes, and and people with people with cancer or cancer survivors don't want to hear about every person in your life that has died of cancer because clearly we we are not that that's not that's not our our goal is to stay on this earth and not to die of cancer. And so it's, uh, please don't say that to people. <laughs> please don't, please don't say that please to don't. people. Please, please never say that to a person. We don't, we don't care. I mean, I, you know, not to be harsh, but we don't, we, we appreciate that you have no, cause they're trying to connect with you, right? That's really what they're trying to do is they're trying to connect with you because they don't right. really know what to say. And that right. unfortunately is the, the um, a graceless way of trying to connect, right? It, it just doesn't work. You could simply say, "Wow, that must be really tough," or yeah, "How's it going?" That's... Maybe it's not tough, or you know, "How's it going?" Mm, yeah, that's a great that's that's a great thing to say because not only not only should we not be ta- we should we should be talking about what not to say, we should be talking about what to say. Yeah, because I think that, that, yeah, that's the hard part, I think, for people, you know, something like one in five people will die from cancer. And I, when I'm giving talks, I say, how many of us know somebody? You were there when I said that every hand in the room goes up because we've all done it. So then how do you navigate that? Because it is, people don't talk about death or taxes or religion, supposedly. So it's a tough thing. What would, what would you, like, somebody found out about your situation, what would be the most impactful thing that someone could say or empathetic. What can I do? What can I do? There you go. I mean, really, just what can I do? And and I had people when I was going through cancer who were part of the community that I lived in and I didn't know very well. And they would email or text or, you know, put a little note on my door and just saying, what, what can I do? And I find that to be powerful because there's mm. always something that needs to get done. And uh, I think that's a really important thing to say. Even if you're far away from somebody, if you live in a different city, what can I do? Because it could be make phone calls for you. It could be, you know, do some emails for you or encourage you, send you some encouraging emails. But there's, there's always something. Yep, yep. How about you as a, yeah. as a daughter of a cancer patient? I think people just saying, you know, wow, that must be tough. And is there anything I can do for you? Because as the person who, you know, is helping to take care of the cancer patient, you forget about yourself. And, you know, there's a particular time when it was pretty dicey with my mom. She had to have some emergency surgery. And, you know, my aunt was the one who sent emails out to all the family and the people who wanted to know what was happening because I had a headache. People are, people are calling because they want to support you and they want to know, but I had a headache every day from dealing with all the phone calls and my stepdad couldn't deal with it, so I was kind of intercepting intercepting wow. things, you know. Yeah, um, so that's, that's helpful is just to, for people to step up and say, let me, 
it's kind of the same thing. What can I do? How can I help? What can I do? Okay. Well, number two, moving on. Post-chemo, are you in remission? So this was an important one for me. I Maybe I should have put this as number one and not number two. Because we are supposed to be cancer-free now. That's really the goal. You know, go through chemo and surgeries and, and you do everything that you do. And no, we don't want to think of ourselves as in remission. If you look up the definition of remission, it means that it's still in your body. It's just not showing itself. Mm. Um, I recently asked a friend who also had cancer, when do you stop worrying? Uh, when will it come back? And her answer was, I'll let you know. Because the truth of the mm. matter is, we, we will, I, I believe, and I'm, this is a generalization, I believe that we always worry. And when you go through something as traumatic as that, it, it, it doesn't leave your mind for a certain period of time. And I just think for me, when people say, are you in remission? I, I kind of cringe and I don't blame that person because they don't know they're just not educated, but it really is not. It's not, first of all, it's not an appropriate question. <laughs> and, and second of all, what if I said no? <laughs> what if I said, no, I'm not in remission. I'm, I have, I, I have the disease. I mean, it, it, there's a no win answer to that, right? Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because I think there's the medical response you could give, and then there's the um, the sense of yourself you could give. You could a, a simple question of how are you doing? Well, let me tell right. you, medically, I'm exhausted from having gone through everything I went through because chemo's darn exhausting. But right. I'll tell you what, I am resolute, and I am intending. I am well, and that's what I keep telling myself, and that's the positive statement that I say every day. I am well. Right. I may feel pain, and I am well. My body, this body, this skin sack that we're in in this lifetime for this purpose may have aches and pains, and I am whole, perfect, and complete, and I am well. Amen, sister. That's beautiful. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, go Please. ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I think, in, you know, one statement that you could say is, how long have you been cancer-free? For people that really want to know, that's uplifting, it's encouraging, it's validating, and it's important for people to encourage others. Absolutely. And that's, and that's positive. You know, it's, it's, it's positive. like the alcoholic who's counting the days they've been sober because every day they come to every day newly. 21 years, right. you know, they celebrate every year with a, mm. with a coin, and I think they celebrate half years and all these things because every day you're coming at life newly. Well, the truth is we don't – none of us know when we're going to go. Right, and right. How That's often, so you know, it, it, yeah, and how often do we – I think that this is one of the things I struggled with with the book and my mom and everything is how much we think life is a given – and it right. takes something bad to happen to have us find faith, mm. whether it's faith in God, faith in ourselves, faith in life, faith in spirit, faith in somebody else, faith in our partner, faith in our husband or wife, whatever. It always seems that it has to take something bad to happen. And each and every one of us You're absolutely right. Um, it's, it's, you're totally right, and it's so important. Number three, we promise you won't catch our cancer. Um, you know, I, when I was a child, 
when I was a child, I remembered uh, on a couple of occasions, somebody would go up to my mother or my father and say, whisper, start to whisper. And I would say to my mom or my dad, wait, what did they say? And they would whisper to me, oh, so-and-so has cancer. And so for me, from a young age, I always believed that cancer kind of was a scarlet letter, something to be ashamed of. And this is just really not, it's, don't say this to a cancer patient. It's very, very important. Um, and you won't, you won't catch our cancer. It's not, it's not transferable. And, and we don't, we don't want distance. We need hugs and we need love. And it's, it's, it's so important, especially at that time of our life. So encourage people to, you know, reach out to people with cancer and, and not, and don't, don't be afraid to talk about it with them. Don't be afraid to ask about it. Don't be afraid to walk up and hug them. I just, I just think that's, that's such an important issue. Absolutely. It's funny. I thought just us Jews whispered about cancer. I guess it's, it's everybody whispers about cancer. She has the cancer. I thought I know, it was right? Doesn't Jewish it seem people. like a scarlet letter? <laughs> Completely. But it's so interesting what you just said, because, you know, I had a, a friend whose daughter um, had acute myeloid leukemia at the age of 15, which is like unheard of and, you know, had wow. three weeks to live and was in the hospital intensely for like 45 days at a time getting chemo. And then she'd have a little break and then she'd be back. And I would go there every Friday night to stay mm. with her. So her parents could go be a couple. They could go be parents, you know. Wow, and the thing that my, my Yeah, it was awesome. And the, the thing that my, my friend said to me, because it was her daughter, she goes, look, she goes, the key thing is get her to say everything. All mm. day I'm upset. I'm scared. All that. She goes, every time that happens, her counts go in the right direction. Wow, that Mm -hmm. is powerful. That is so interesting. When when we sit on communication or love or any of that, it it impacts us at the cellular level. Wow, that's I've never even heard that before. That's incredible. Yeah, I can see why I can see why people go to you for for mentoring. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is also what's so important. Thank you for saying that. That. Yeah. It's so important to be able to, when you say to somebody simply, how's it going? Right. Let them, let them right. say everything. Right, right. Don't Listen. try to make it better. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to give them solutions. Just listen and get their communication so that they feel heard. Right. Yeah, so important. I love this conversation. I love discussing this because these are such important issues. And like you said, there are so many people that are affected by cancer and these things need to be talked about. Number four, can, will it come back? Now, I find this to be a ridiculous question. How could anybody ask you that? But I, as a cancer survivor, people ask me that all the time. Um, don't, please, people out there, don't think that we aren't already asking ourselves this question. We don't need anybody else asking us as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're not a statistic. <laughs> right. Amen. You're Sister. not a flipping statistic, you know. Like, okay, well, I think, actually, I think there's an 18.37% chance, but I had this bacteria tamoxifen instead of this thing, so then it actually increases to a 19.4% chance. (laughs) Then I was thinking about this thing, and then I had my toes done, and then it got reduced to a 20.3% chance. You're not a statistic. I don't know if I'm going to get cancer tomorrow. Everything in my family history says I will, but am I going to live my life 
wondering and fearful that I will get cancer because my mom had it. No, neither can you be. That also is going to impact you at the energetic level and the emotional body and the energetic body and the cellular body. Will it come back? You know what? I don't know. And my intention is that it doesn't. Want to intend that with me? Right. Well, this goes into number five. So what are your chances? Now, that's equally as offensive <laughs> and, and, and equally as insane, right? But you would be surprised at how often I personally hear this. Please don't say this okay. to anybody. <laughs> okay. I just want to apologize on behalf of humanity for being ridiculous, for just saying ridiculous things to you. I apologize profusely <laughs> on behalf of humanity, my friend, for people saying right. These thoughtless things to you. They're not bad people. They're just being thoughtless. Time or casual with our words, we create casualties. Right. Yes. Power, oh. the power of the tongue, right? The power of the tongue, baby. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Come on. Well, okay. Number six, moving on. <laughs> Everything will be okay. Everything will be that, That's a total dichotomy from the previous two. Everything will be okay. Well, really, I'm so glad that you are letting me know that. <laughs> mm. not, only does, not only does this sort of discount the weight of the situation, but it also seems like a conversational cop-out. I find this to be insensitive. I, I, I would love to have a conversation with somebody, and at the end of the conversation, they say, everything will be okay. That's fantastic. But let's get, a little, let, let's get into it for a couple of minutes before you tell me what's going to happen. I would love to do a sketch comedy with you called What Flippant Cancer Patients Say. Everything's going to be okay. Really? What makes you say that? It's remarkable. Do you have a magic name? It's remarkable. Right. Well, even as a a daughter, even as a daughter, I'm sure that you went through some of these. You probably overheard some people asking your mother this, or maybe people asked you you know, her chances or what, what are the, what's the probability? I mean, really ludicrous questions. Did you, did you find that to be true? Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Now, first of all, never consult WebMD about anything because all roads lead to cancer. Just don't do it. You don't, you don't need to go there. A hangnail <laughs> becomes cancer. Just don't do it. People stay away from WebMD. That's number one. But this okay, is okay. We will I definitely stay away from WebMD. Do not, do not go there. Like I would, you know, because I used to lead programs for big groups and now I do one-on-one coaching, but people, and I, and my life is always, my life is open. I talk about everything. I talk about what a jerk I've been and how I was a disgusting pig to like my friends or my ex-husband or whatever, because I'm there to have you learn about my foibles so that you learn and grow because I'm learning and growing, Right. So I would always right. share about my mom, and inevitably, some always a woman would walk up to me and kind of in a hush-hush tone, right. put her hand on my arm and say, in the end, you will look back on this and think it's the most beautiful time of your life. And wow. that is when I came up with the thought of throat-punching people, because that is what I wanted to do, was punch them in the gut or punch them <laughs> in the throat. And I don't, would never be violent. I'm not a violent person. It's a metaphor. People well, I, have, I appreciate your humor, because I can be a little... Uh, uh, book, I, I can, I can, uh, I, I lose my humor sometimes in the reality of the situation, and I appreciate you bringing some humor to this conversation because the ludic- the ludicrousy of the whole thing is it definitely needs some humor, or we'll make ourselves insane. Absolutely. Uh, num- number seven, will you lose your hair? Uh, yeah, probably. Anything else? <laughs> 
<laughs> here's, here's my picture. Here's my picture in my head. You just like taking off your wig and going, yep. You know what? See, I, I actually there. did that one time. I literally <laughs> did that one time. And, and I'm sure I'm not the only cancer survivor that it has happened to. Oh, my oh. goodness. Right. Okay, well, now this is, this is my, yeah, I, I yeah. would say this is my personal favorite. Number eight, you don't look sick. It's hard for me to comment on this one, but thank you. <laughs> because yeah. I, feel, I feel certain that we try our best as women, as people on a day-to-day basis, not to uh, look atrocious and sick, but when we're going through chemo, we, we have good days and we have bad. And so uh, it's a little discounting. You don't look sick. Well, you're right. I made the whole story up. <laughs> well, do you think, like, did you think if they had turned it around to say, you look amazing, would that have totally been Totally different? different comment. There you go. Totally, you look amazing. Totally different comment. And isn't that interesting? Because you're so right. Again, going back to the verbiage we use is so crucial and the power of the word, the power of speaking, and the power of impacting people's lives with your with your words. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, I think especially in conversations like this, this can't be a fly-by-night conversation, like, hey, yo, oh, you don't look sick. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't be, it's got to be something where you are present in the right. moment and are connecting with you as a, as a person I know or I'm concerned about or as my friend or whatever. Right. Wow, you look amazing. Right. Like, you look amazing. That's powerful. You're right. I'm, I'm so proud. Like, you just look amazing. You look vibrant and healthy, and that's what I'm intending for you is you're vibrant and healthy. I love that you keep saying that's what I am intending for you. That's so powerful. Um, number nine, does it run in your family? And I'm certain that you probably could answer this question better than me. <laughs> yes, because Jews keep marrying each other. We're like West Virginia. Yes, cancer runs in my family, breast and ovarian. We're ten times more likely to get it there. Oh, my gosh. I love them apples. Right. Well, I, I want to get through the last question before we run out of time because I want, I want you to talk about for a minute about the, how to detect ovarian cancer because I think it's so important. Number 10, what stage are or were you in? That is a very personal question. It's not necessary to ask anybody that. Nothing good comes out of that because it takes somebody back to that space when the doctor said this is the stage you're in. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't. We crave, we crave genuine conversation and to be treated normally. We don't want forced, blind optimism, but rather true connections that help us maintain some kind of grasp on normal. Anyway, in the last couple of minutes, please share with us, because you are so knowledgeable about ovarian cancer, and I'm so sad that we don't have much time, but please share with us what ways that people can detect it, because I, I believe you told me that there really is no uh, there's no test for it. Is that correct? There's absolutely no test for it. Your pap smear is a test for cervical cancer. There's 23 different types of ovarian cancer. That's why there's no test for it. I've known women with 18-month-old infants that have it and young women, and a woman of any age can get it. And I'll let you know that people can go to my website, jencoken.com forward slash book, and there's a free symptom card and tracker on there for everybody. You just download it and please use it. But the symptoms, bloating, eating, 
abdominal mm. and trouble. And I'm saying these, remember the, the acronym BEAT, B-E-A-T. You're bloated, right. you have trouble eating, or you feel full too quickly, you have abdominal pain, or trouble urinating, more frequency urinating. If you have these symptoms for two weeks straight and no change in diet or exercise interrupts the symptoms, get yourself to your gynecologist and say, I want you to prove to me I don't have ovarian cancer. Now, you download the symptom card that will give you all that info. Download the symptom tracker. Why? Because you want to track your symptoms for two weeks straight so you go to your doctor with the facts. These medical professionals literally have seven minutes to see each of us. Wow. Now, why are they always late to their appointments? I don't know. Probably because some people, they need a little more time. But you've right. got to go to your doc with facts and say, this is what I've been experiencing. They cannot, again, there's no test, but to prove to you, you've got to go through a series of tests, whether it's a vaginal ultrasound or an MRI or a PET scan, CT, CT scan, et cetera. You just want to get them to say, yep, we've ruled this out completely. I just had a hysterectomy. We talked about this because I had massive fibroids. Guess what? I had the same symptoms. Wow. But we went through everything, so we knew it wasn't ovarian cancer, and I've been negative on all the tests. doesn't matter. So was my mom, and she had ovarian cancer. So bloating. And, and who? Eating, what kind of what, what doctor would you go to? Got gynecologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And is uh, is ovarian cancer on the rise? There has, you know, the, the, the ovarian cancer is not necessarily on the rise, but it's the most deadly. It's not on the reduction, right? Because there's no there's no type, so it's the most deadly gynecological cancer because there are no symptoms that are easily discernible. And there's no test for it. You know, prostate, breast cancer has been on the decline, I believe, because of the testing. Right, and early detection because of the testing. So you really, exactly. it's, 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 not, it's not as easy to early detect because there is no testing. Exactly. So correct? you've got to be your own, yes, you've got to be your own early detection warning sign by thinking about these symptoms and tracking those symptoms and going to your gynecologist and pushing them to make sure you don't have it. You're your own early warning system at this point. Right. Okay, well, everybody, go by When I Die, Take My Panties by Jennifer Koken. It's a fantastic read. It's a, it's a great summer read. Go get it. And, uh, it's, again, the symptoms are beat, correct? Bloating. Yes. Bloating. Eating, trouble eating, feeling full too fast, abdom- A, abdominal pain, T, trouble urinating or more frequent urination. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And everybody, this is so powerful. This is so important. Keep that in mind and, and do the and go read Jennifer's book. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. I love you. Thank you for having me on. Yes, great. Okay, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk next week. <laughs>